0: Well, I think Merry Christmas is in order. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Let's get your Bibles and open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to start reading today in verse 5. We're going to uh, remind ourselves of uh, the events that are occurring in 5 through 25, but then we'll focus today on uh, the passage starting with verse 57. Luke 1, starting with verse 5. This is the Word of God. For those of us who believe it and obey it, it is a Merry Christmas. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. Look at verse 57 now. Skip down. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God, and fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that he should be saved from our enemies, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the land, from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious account that we have today before us in your word. As we look at this this promised child, the child who would be named John, who we know is John the Baptist, promised to his faithful Serving parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Lord, we're thankful as we continue moving through our Advent season, that as we, as we look back and, and watch the faithful waiting for Messiah. Lord, we know we know the story. We've lived it. We're the result of it. But help us, Lord, to see afresh this beautiful Christmas story. Thank you for your son. Thank you for a time for us to celebrate his arrival. And as we've prayed already, we look forward to seeing you again face-to-face in the future. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, when I was a young boy, Disney would put out movies only ever so often. And they were much better than they are today. Back in the day, they would also do, every once in a while, these nature films, a Disney nature film, and they would have animals and, you know, nature, (laughs) okay? And I can remember as a young child, probably five years old, I'm thinking, because I lived in Pottsboro, Texas, seeing uh, a trailer or a a preview of this coming Disney film that was going to be coming out, and I can just, I don't remember much about it except mountains, and I remember a bear, right? And I remember seeing this as a kid, thinking, oh, I want to go see this. Disney film. And I told my dad, you know, we've got to go see this. And it was going to be coming to the local drive-in theater because Pottsboro, Texas didn't have a walk-in. We had a drive-in only. And I told my dad about it and he said, when it comes to our town, we'll go. Well, months passed by and the show, I, we drive past and see the marquee, and there it is. The nature film, the Disney nature film is, is coming. The one about the bear, right, or whatever. And I tell my dad, Dad, it's here, it's here. And I remember the look on my dad's face. We were not very well off. My dad had a body shop with my grandfather, and he was a very hardworking man. He would come home off in different colors. Whatever color car he was painting that day, that's kind of the color he was that day. He worked very hard, and, and, and we didn't have a lot of money. And I could see, even as a young child, as I said, let's go to the movie, I saw his face kind of fall. Well, you know, uh, mm. you know, as I look as an adult looking back, I realized what was going on in his heart. We can't afford to go to the movie right now. I, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm working so hard. We don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the money to do this. And I can remember, even, even in, my, in my adult years, feeling guilty because I remember saying, but you promised. <laughs> now, my dad never said, I promise, but he said, we'll do it. And I can remember a few weeks later at home, my mom got off the phone with my dad and said, dad, that was dad on the phone. You guys have got to take a nap. And I go, oh, I know what that means. We're going to be going to the drive-in theater because the movie doesn't start until 9 o'clock and a five-year-old better take a nap because he can't stay up that late. <laughs> sure enough, we went and we saw the movie. Thinking back, I, I, I look at my father, and I know he wasn't a perfect father. He was a good father, and he desired to, to keep his word. But think, friends, how much more, not just a good father, but a perfect father, a great father, a perfect father who has ultimate authority, ultimate resources, ultimate power, ultimate ability, ultimate wisdom, ultimate love. That kind of father, when he makes a promise, always keeps it. There's nothing that that comes in his way. There's nothing that stops him and pinges him. There's nothing that can thwart his ultimate promise. And so today as we look, we see that from this passage. We see that our Heavenly Father always keeps His promises. There are four elements in today's passage. A promised child, a a coming king, a covenant confirmed, and a light proclaimed. And truly, friend, if you have yet to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, this can be a beautiful and wonderful Christmas. Because what this day is about is promises kept. So number one, a promised child Let's look again, looking down at verse 57, chapter 1, verse 57 through 66. You see, God keeps His promise to Zechariah, but that is because that's who God is. God is a promise-keeping God. Look again with me, verse 57. We see the time for Elizabeth has come to give birth, and she bears a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard and they, they come and they, 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 they see that the Lord has shown great mercy to her and they rejoice with her. They gather around and just, just as we have now, what, 95 times, I'm not sure, have gathered around our young mothers and our, these couples having, having children, we, we rejoice with them because God has been merciful and granted them children. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. Why? Because these are good Jews. They're righteous, they're pious, and on their eighth day, they're going to circumcise the son. And they're going to follow the natural culture, the the tradition. They would have called him Zachariah after his father. My name is Thomas Kevin Bryan. My father's name is Thomas Garen Bryan. His father's name is Thomas Otto Bryan. His father's name was Thomas Tilton Bryan. We follow after that pattern, right? Many times we name our children. I have, of course, the name of Brian that follows all of my heritage, right? But also the Thomas as well. My son's name is Hayden Thomas Brian. Okay, so we've got the Thomas in there, right? We're continuing that pattern. And so they come and say, let's name him Zechariah. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, well, none of your relatives is called by this name. Okay, and they, they're like, let's, let's not listen to Elizabeth. Let's go to Zechariah. He's the guy, right? And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted to be called. Notice they make signs to him. There's a possibility that not only can he not speak, but that he can't hear as well. It seems otherwise they would just ask him, right? So there's a possibility. We're not sure because it doesn't say specific, but there's a possibility that, that he is both deaf and dumb during this nine-month period. And what does Zechariah do? He asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the hill country. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. The neighbors think, what, this miraculous birth, this miraculous thing going on, this this incredible thing happening, what kind of kid is this going to be? You see, for nine long months, Zechariah sat in silence, contemplating his unbelief. When Gabriel says, this is what's going to happen, he says, how? Instead of, praise God, yes. He says, how could this happen? He doubted the Lord, questioning how this thing could happen questioning this promise that would take place. And now when faced with a decision to follow the culture, to follow the crowd, he decides instead to act in obedience and follow the Lord God who would bring the Christ. He grabs a tablet and he writes, his name is John. And immediately his tongue is loosed The same God who froze his mouth now thaws it and he speaks. And what is the first thing that comes out of his mouth? The first thing he writes is his name is John, but the first thing that comes out of his mouth is blessing to God, praise to God. Isn't that the case for us as well? When God has moved in power on us, a sinful heart, a dark heart, Tongues that are, that are frozen because they can't praise and worship God. When, when God reveals himself to us through the, through, through the gospel and through our Lord Jesus Christ, our mouths is open and we say, praise God. God is good. Zechariah speaks praises to God. He blesses the holy God of Israel. Like the apostle Paul, who was made blind by the risen Christ, that he may see the reality of his Savior. Zechariah is made dumb, that he may later shout the praises of his Lord. And also become the one who is the Father who will proclaim the coming King. I find this, you know, I find God is amazing in his his ability to craft the story, isn't it? This real story that, that he makes this man not able to speak and his son is going to be the proclaimer. The one that shouts, Christ is coming. It was good. It was good that God silenced Zacharias for a time it reminds me of of my little children I've been teaching you know for many years to over 20 years and I usually work in, uh, in elementary and I have in my room a little time out spot some parents may have this as well but the kids going a little crazy right the you know, third graders running around doing stuff Yay! and you start to say hey hey stop be still. Do this, do that. And they go, they go, but, 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 I wasn't. I mean, I, I've been in situations where I've said, stop talking. And the kid is saying, I wasn't talking. I'm like, I'm not, please stop talking. I wasn't talking. I'm like, look, there's, there's, there, your, word, your mouth is moving. Sound is coming out. Those are called phonemes. You put those together. Those are words. You're talking. I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking. And it's time to go, look, go to timeout, okay? I've given you a warning. I've done this. I go to timeout. And what's timeout? Timeout is a place to sit. And I'll often say, Well, how long do I have to stay in timeout? Until you can get control of yourself and come back and say, Mr. Brian, I'm ready to listen. Right? And a kid, sometimes a kid will be there for just a few minutes. Sometimes they might be there all day. <laughs> Finally, they come back and they say, I'm ready, Mr. Brian. God sent Zechariah to timeout for nine months for nine months, you're in (laughs) timeout. Brothers and sisters, some of us need timeout, don't we? Sometimes we need timeout. And God has been good to us. A loving father disciplines the sons and the daughters that he loves. And so this is not punitive. This is not punishment. It's a time for Zechariah to come to his senses, to realize that God is God and he is not. And that's what we need, isn't it? In this Christmas season, God has, has so ordained this, this season that we have a time for time out, a time to stop and to think and to pause and to think about the coming Messiah. Well that brings us to number two, a coming king. which brings us to what is known as uh, traditionally as the Benedictus. The Benedictus, the, the Benedictus, it, it refers in Latin to the word blessing which is when Zechariah begins to speak, the first word of his song or his prayer is a word of blessing. Verse 67 says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... Remember, friends, this is not just Zechariah making up this beautiful song on his own. Luke reminds us that he's filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. This is not only from Zechariah, but from the Holy Spirit himself, and so the very words of God. Here's what he says Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Here, Zechariah remembers the covenant that God made with David, the Davidic covenant was God's promise that to David that, 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 that he would be succeeded by his son Solomon who would build the temple. And then ultimately there would be a greater king who would establish his throne forever. The covenant was delivered by the prophet Nathan to David when David was the height of his power and, and he had expressed his desire to, to build the temple for, the, uh, for, for God. In 2 Samuel 7, 11 through 13 listen to what Nathan the prophet says to him. The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will rise up for your offspring. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. An enduring kingdom an everlasting king was what the faithful of Israel longed for. And so they waited, looking and longing for this Davidic king, the Messiah. Isaiah gives, hope, uh, gives, gives voice to this great hope in Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6-7. We've heard it already. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the covenant. This is the coming king that he is speaking of. This, this, this son of David who will come and rule over Israel and over the, the land and over the world forever. And notice how Isaiah reads this, ends this section. He says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When God makes a promise, he will do it. He will not fail. He will accomplish everything that he has set out to do. Zechariah prophesies of this reality in the first movement of his great song of praise. And let me, let me pause for a minute and, 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 and remind us, we heard the Magnificat, Mary's song earlier. So we have Mary's song, and then we have Zechariah's song, and then next Sunday we get to hear the, the Holy Host singing. And it reminds me of, of, of any great musical. Right? Like Les Miserables, you have this one person singing, do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? And then over here, this other person singing, you know, one day more, right? And you have these, this one soloist over here singing, and another soloist over here, and then the whole ensemble begins to rise, and you're like, oh my goodness, man, my heart's going to explode. This is so incredible and beautiful. And that's what we have here, right? They're ripping off God. (laughs) okay. (laughs) Mary starts with her song of praise and wonder and glory of what God has done for her. And then Zechariah takes it up and begins to sing. And then who rounds it off? The great ensemble of the holy host begin to sing as well into this beautiful song of salvation. Zechariah prophesies of this reality in the first movement of his great song of praise. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Notice that as he sings, he does so in past tense. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he proclaims that this prophecy is as good as done. It is as good as done. I had a friend in Oklahoma who was, I, I mentored under him, and he would always say, it's a done deal. It's a done deal, Right? Well, it hadn't happened yet, but in his mind, I've said it, that settles it, right? It's a done deal. And that's why Zechariah's prophesying, it's a done deal. He has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. It is as good as done. It is no accident that we have named this church, called our church, Redeemed. Redeemed. It speaks to a past work that is our present reality and our future hope. Redeemed. Redeemed. We are redeemed. We have been redeemed. We are redeemed and we will be redeemed. That's the reality of the Christian life. A a past work that's our present reality and our future hope. Well, here he speaks of this horn of salvation. Now, when we say horn, we think of, you know, right? Not that kind of horn, okay? He's not talking about an instrument of music, but instead what he's bringing to mind is that of the bull or the ox, buffalo, this horn or a deer with antlers, this horn that comes out. Zechariah uses the metaphor horn uh, that that is like an animal's horn. The power of an animal's horns are used to protect, to defend, to defeat enemies, those that would ravage or attack it. I can remember when I was in Texas, the last job I had for marrying Linda, I worked for a harvester. In Texas, there are many uh, game ranches, exotic game ranches, and so we're talking about axis deer and phyla deer, and even, we even had wildebeest on these, we're talking thousands of acres, giant uh, uh, ranches. And, and I worked for a, a harvester, which was basically a hunter. We would go, and so all these deer are grazing on these totally wild, open ranges. We would go in, and we would, we would, um, would take them out, right? And we would... <laughs> with a 30 6 and a silencer, okay? Uh, and, then, and then we would load them in a truck, and they would be butchered, and then we would actually ship this exotic meat to fine restaurants in L.A. and Boston and New York... Okay, overnight this stuff. you go to your fancy restaurant that came from Kerrville, Texas. And I can remember one day, I'm with, with the laborers and the workers that were with me, and, and we we're, would we're, go around and we'd drive the truck around, and we would throw the deer that we had harvested or the elk or the whatever it was into the back of the truck, and we had this really large buck with a huge rack of, uh, of antlers there. And we'd throw him in, and, and so we're moving on to get another one. As we're driving along, all of a sudden, that buck... With all those antlers, got up. <laughs> and me and the, me and the workers that were with me, we we all of a sudden and it's and it's it, you think of a back of a pickup truck, it's all metal, and you think of hooves and antlers, you know, and it's just it is up and it is moving, and the, and you're thinking like how it's a tw- probably twelve points plus the hooves can come and get you. We scattered fast, okay? We scattered fast. I'm sure I heard one person say arriba. <laughs> Right. And we, we jumped, one guy went that way, one guy went that way, and we were like, and they got the, park, the guy's parking the truck, and the man, get out of the way of those horns, because no one wants to be stabbed, no one wants to be gored. Zechariah praises God, because this horn of salvation is lifted up, and it defeats all of God's enemies, and all of God's enemies will be scattered and defeated. This horn of salvation... I mean, think of that—the deer's horns—or think of think of the great uh, Texas Longhorn. The size of these horns. I mean a, 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 I mean, a bull that stands head high with his head sticking up, and they, and, and when they're when they're facing off, they, they do their hoof, and they shake, they lift up their horn. They're lifting up their horn, showing you, look, man, don't mess with me. Right? I will take you out. I will gore you. I will kill you. Psalm eighteen two. The psalmist there, David, says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. God is not only our defense, but He is the offense as well. He not only defends us from our enemies and from the ultimate enemy, Satan, but He defeats him. He defeats him with His offensive weapon, the horn, the awesome horn's ministry is twofold. First of all, we have to answer the question, who is this horn? Who is this horn? This horn is, is Jesus Christ, isn't he? This horn is Jesus Christ, and, and he has a, an awesome twofold ministry. First, in redemption as he ransoms his people with his own blood. And second, the horn would bring deliverance from all earthly enemies in the final return of Christ. Zechariah's song celebrates the Davidic Savior, Jesus Christ, who would ransom and deliver all his people. This is why we celebrate Christmas. Our powerful horn of salvation is come. This is why we celebrate Christmas, because our powerful horn of salvation has come. That mighty salvation, friend, is available for you today, Scripture tells us. Hebrews 7.25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Friend, if you have yet to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, he is able to save you to the uttermost completely, all the way, nothing left. Every single bit of you, every single... Sin in your heart, in your little brain, in your deep in your heart—those that 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 are still there that you're embarrassed about. God can save you from all of those things. Why? Because Christ has come. Christ has come. Our horn of salvation. Number three: a covenant confirmed. A covenant confirmed. And um, and uh, don't hold me to these. These bleed over. I know that. I know that. We have a Davidic covenant. We also have an Abrahamic covenant. And so here in part three, we, we, we think about a covenant confirmed. Zechariah praises, his praise moves in his song from the Davidic covenant through Christ to the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was first expressed when God promised Abraham when he still was childless. He had no children. God promises that he would make a great nation of him and that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. Verse 70 in our passage, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old, Zechariah looks back and remembers the Old Testament prophets. He remembers the Hebrew scriptures. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zechariah remembers here the Old Testament Scriptures and the call of Abram. In Genesis 12, 1-3, listen. The Lord says to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you.'" And him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Zechariah knows that God swore to Abraham. And how did he swear? God swears by himself. He can't swear by anything higher. God swears by himself that this is what he will do, and he will do it. And Zechariah knows through his inspired prophetic song that the coming Christ, Jesus, is the ultimate fulfillment of God's covenant to Abraham. And, and, and friend, listen, uh, Christian, listen, for those of us who have come to Christ, in many ways, we're like little Abrahams, right? Abraham was, was, was a, a pagan man out there, right? He was not, he's the beginning of it. He comes from, from nothing to something. He comes from the pagan land into being a believer of Jesus Christ or a believer of God and the Christ who would come. And that's what happens with us, isn't it? God moves on us. Those who don't know God, And God speaks to us through the power of his spirit and through this gospel, through this word. And we become believers. We become children of God as well. He does an amazing work in us. And it's all because of these covenants and because of Christ fulfilling those covenants. Now Zechariah turns his attention toward his own beloved son. So the first part of his song, he sings of these covenants the covenant of David, the covenant of Abraham. And now, for two verses, he turns, and remember, he's there right at the circumcision. And he looks down at this little, I would imagine, crying John. (laughs) Little Johnny. And he turns and looks, and he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Now, that, that kind of can just kind of gloss over us on some level. But remember, There's been silence. We sang of it in one of our songs. There's been silence for 400 years as Israel has been waiting for Messiah, longing to hear a word from the Lord. And now this man looks at his own son and says, You will be called the prophet of the Most High. Zechariah was a priest, but there had been no prophets for 400 years. I'm a priest. I serve God but you will be a prophet and speak for God and proclaim the coming God. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Zechariah's son will prepare the way for the Lord. Zechariah knows that there's not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years, and now his son will be used to proclaim and prepare the way for the Lord. John will not point people to himself, but will point them to Jesus, for he alone can forgive sins. Matthew 1:21, speaking of Mary, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. John 1, 29, as John later, the adult John, now sees Christ coming. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Matthew 26, 26, Jesus speaking of himself says, For this is the blood of my covenant, the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 10, 43 The preacher there, to whom all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 1 John 1, 9, the apostle John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why will this forgiveness of sins through Jesus be offered? Zechariah continues. Verse 78, he says, because of the tender." mercy of our God. Why is this offered? Why is this son coming? Because of the tender mercy of our God. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve this mercy. Mercy is precisely getting what we don't deserve. We want mercy. We cry, mercy, God, don't give me what I deserve. Give me what I don't deserve. And here's what the mercy is. The mercy, the tender mercy of our God is the baby lying in that manger. We don't deserve that child. Friend, you don't deserve those Christmas gifts under that tree. Those are, these, are, these are all gifts of God. We don't deserve Christmas. But it's because of His tender mercy, the tender mercy of our God. And then He adds this, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. He personifies the sunrise. The sunrise will visit us from on high. And why to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Israel has languished in darkness, waiting for the sunrise, waiting for that that divine light to come. And now finally it's coming. The other morning I was driving and if you were uh, like me a few uh, I don't know a week or so ago there was a in Long Beach area there was a huge uh, bank of fog that just settled on my, uh, my, my trip to work and it was already dark already and so I'm watching but it was dark with fog and I couldn't see anything and at some point I'm driving along and I actually had my brother on. I talked to Pastor Garen, my brother, every Monday usually and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, I, I have to stop talking. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong? I go, I don't know where I am. <laughs> I can't see. It is dark. It is foggy and guess what? I am lost I have no idea where I am. I continued driving for a while, and guess what? The the sun continued rising. The fog began to lift, and I knew where I was. That's exactly what happens here. In the darkness, Israel sits, waiting, fearful, lost. What could come out of the darkness? Savage animals, wolves, lions, those that could, could attack us in the night. They sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, waiting for the sunrise. And finally, Zechariah sees the light is coming. The light is coming. And when the light comes, our feet will be guided into the way of shalom. The way of peace. The way of blessing. And that is where we stand, beloved. Those of us who have trusted in our Savior Jesus Christ, those of us who celebrate this Christmas because of who that baby really is, the darkness has been dispelled. And we see clearly who he is and who we are. And now we walk in peace. God's guns of wrath are no longer trained upon us because of his blessed son and that baby in the manger. Thank God for that, don't we? We thank God for that. And the passage wraps up with this, verse 80. And the child grew, John. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Such an interesting mirror passages, aren't they? When you look at John and Jesus. A son is born to Mary. A son is born to Elizabeth. He grows strong in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. John grows in spirit. And he also is in the wilderness where our Savior will go as well into the wilderness to be tested. But unlike John, John is just a man, a prophet. His cousin Jesus Who comes after him, who is before him, is the Holy Son of God. The Holy Son of God. This is interesting. But know this in this story, there are four main characters we see Zechariah, Elizabeth, John, and Jesus. Zechariah means God remembers. God remembers. Elizabeth means God is faithful. God is faithful. John means God is merciful. Jesus means God saves. God remembers. God is faithful. God is merciful. God saves. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We are so encouraged. We're so thankful that you have helped us to have a time that we can reflect on the coming of your son the first time. What a joy it is to remember that we, like Israel as well, languished in darkness, waiting for the sunrise. Lord, we were so blind. Like Saul, we were mute and deaf. Like Zechariah, Lord, we were clueless. We didn't even understand our own sin until you came and you showed us how sick, how dead, how enslaved we were. But because of your son, Jesus Christ, the coming of that baby in that manger, Lord, we have hope the light has come. The light has come. And now may we continue throughout this season to celebrate you, to praise you, to worship you. May we, may we be like Zechariah. Lord, may you, may you open our mouths, loose our tongues to praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. We love you today, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.